Dotnet Rocks episode 665 with guest Mark Artiaga. Recorded live Friday, May 13th, 2011. This episode is brought to you by Telerik and by Franklin's.net, training developers to work smarter and now offering video training on Silverlight 4 with Billy Hollis and SharePoint 2010 with Sahil Malik. Order online now at Franklin's.net. And now here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much and welcome back to .NET Rocks. It's Carl, it's Richard, it's all fun. It's good, it's .NET. Hey man. Buddy. Yeah, good stuff. Here we are. Hey, uh, I went looking for something funny to uh, talk about today, so I found on CodeSqueeze.com the ultimate top 25 Chuck Norris the programmer jokes. Oh, no. (laughs) I'm only going to read a a few of these because it's funny. Number one, when Chuck Norris throws exceptions, it's across the room. Nice. Number two, all arrays Chuck Norris declares are of infinite size because Chuck Norris knows no bounds. (laughs) (laughs) Number three, Chuck Norris doesn't have disk latency because the hard drive knows to hurry the hell up. (laughs) 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 This could be said with Klingons, too. Number four, Chuck Norris writes code that optimizes itself. Nice. Five, Chuck Norris can't test for equality because he has no equal. <laughs> I think they're all the same joke, really. Yep. That's kind of funny. How about Chuck Norris can divide by zero? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All browsers support the hex definitions, pound Chuck and pound Norris for the colors black and blue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, too much fun. Let's uh, jump into Better Know Framework. Awesome. So I went spelunking in the Parallel Task Library today. Oh. And I found a neat little cool uh, tool in the Parallel object that's uh, system.threading.tasks.parallel.invoke. Right. Is the name of the method. Parallel is the class. And you can use this to execute parallel operations. You pass it uh, an array of tasks, I believe. Uh, I hope I got that right. And um, basically, it executes them possibly in parallel, not necessarily in the right order. You know, that's what parallel is all about. Right. So there's a nice little example of this, how to use parallel.invoke to execute parallel operations in the documentations that you might not find. So I tiny URL'd it. If you go to tiny URL slash parallel invoke, you will find this in the MSDN documentation. Hmm. How to use parallel.invoke to execute parallel operations. And That's it's good. a pretty cool it's a pretty cool uh, example too. I like it. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Something to chew on. Think a little parallel. Parallel's yeah. good for you. Who's uh, who's yakking at us, man? Grabbed a comment from uh uh Kuhn Zwistra's show. That was the Silverlight Spy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from uh, Carlin Vandehove. Mm-hmm. Hi, guys. Listening to your Silverlight Spy podcast, Kuhn made a great application for debugging the visual aspects of a Silverlight application. I feel the podcast doesn't really do it justice, which to me sounds like it needs to be a DNR TV. I'm thinking the same thing. I like it. 
I've saved countless hours by using Silverlight Spy. The real power is that it reflects the changes made by your code to the XAML so you can see the effects of user interactions like pressing a button or hovering on the properties of the elements in the visual tree. You can also change these properties and visualize the effects of these changes on the user interface. As Kuhn said, it is really similar to Firebug. And Firebug's mm-hmm. part of Firefox, back when people cared about Firefox. Uh, where you can change the HTML and see the effects or hover over control and inspect its composition. He just feels that he didn't go deep enough into these aspects. We had a problem with automation properties whose values were created at runtime. Thanks to Silverlight Spy, we could see the actual values at runtime and find out why the screen reader didn't read them. Hmm. I'm not affiliated with the company. I bought the product, and I love it. Yeah, okay. Fair oh. enough. Yep. I, hey, I like a happy customer. Yeah. And then, and like Kuhn said, there's a free version, so take it out for a spin. There's no excuse not to try it out. And uh, And Carol, thanks for your great message, man. I'll be sending you a mug. It's kind of true that, you know, the show was like, yep, you get to see everything. It's awesome. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. You can't really uh But show. until you can see it. Yeah. DNR TV, that one. That would friend. be that would be good. We'll do that. That'd be a great thing. And uh, if you've used products we've talked about on the show or you have questions or concerns, ideas, you can send us an email at .net rocks at franklins.net or better still... Write a comment like Carl did on our new website at .netrocks.com. And if you're looking to change careers and get involved with a company that's doing great uh, creative things, a bunch of great people, uh, they have offices in New York and London and Toronto and Dubai and other places, Poland, I believe, contact me. It's Infusion Development. They've been on the show before. And uh, Greg Brill's just a really fascinating guy, uh, runs a great show, and let me know if you're interested, Carl at Franklins.net. Our guest today is Mark Artiaga. He is founder and president of Redbit Development, which specializes in helping customers such as Bell Media, The Globe, and Mail, and MTV implement mobile solutions. Bell Media was formerly CTV Globe Media. Mark has an extensive background in software development and has been dedicating the last 10 years to the trade. Mark has also been awarded Microsoft's Most Valuable Professional Award six years in a row for his role in the Windows Phone developer community and is the only Windows Phone developer MVP in Canada. How does that happen, no, Richard? You know, there's only a handful of Windows Phone 7 MVPs so far. Huh. Mark is often speaking to the developer community at various events about mobile-based solutions throughout Canada. You can contact Mark via his blog at blog.markartiaga.com. That's M-A-R-K-A-R-T-E-A-G-A dot com. Uh, Mark at redbitdev.com or follow him on twitter.com slash markartiaga on Twitter. Welcome, Mark. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, thanks for being here. No problem. Windows Mobile 7 and Canada. A lovely combination. <laughs> <laughs> Windows Phone 7, yes. Yes. And uh, I'm, I'm glad they finally uh, updated yeah, I'm on my third patch now. It's, it's good to see them starting to flow. Yeah, so yeah, my my devices are starting to get updated too. So I finally got the uh, the Samsung Focus update, which uh, which was nice. Yeah. So let's talk about the update in a nutshell. What we're getting? What are we getting here? And this is the second update, right? This is the big one. The big one, yeah. So the the Mango update. So from a from a developer point of view. Um, we're getting uh, quite a bit. I mean, there was a few announcements at Mix uh, back in April, and uh, 
personally, I think they're they're bringing out a lot of things that developers complain about, and they're uh, they're just going to empower developers to create some some pretty cool stuff on the on the platform. Yeah, what is what exactly is in the in the uh, update in the Mango update? So Mango, um, some of the key things I think are there are multitasking. So now multitasking yeah. is, is exposed to developers. I mean, the operating system always had multitasking, uh, but now it's just exposed to developers. Um, the IE9, so you're going to have IE9 with HTML5 and all that good stuff. Sensors, um, they're giving uh, quite a bit more access to the sensors and the camera stream, uh, such as compass, gyroscope. Uh, we now get socket access. Yeah. We, we could do some pretty cool stuff with that. Uh, a database. We finally have a database that we could um, that we could use on device instead of just using XML or text files and just dumping it to a file in the storage system. Um, so uh, I, I think that's that's a huge improvement to uh, to help uh, reduce and optimize uh, memory consumption. Um, XNA Silverlight integration I think is pretty big. Uh, so now you could basically use. Um, Silverlight to say build your menu items or anything like that within an XNA game, so you have all this interoperability between the two um, uh, the two platforms XNA and Silverlight, uh, just to make game building a lot easier. Or if you want to do, for example, say some sort of weather application, you could do some sort of 3D animation using XNA. Uh, you know, as your background, say it's raining or it's sunny day or something like that. And then use Silverlight on the other end to to go grab data or show show any stats on the weather or something or anything. So I think I think that's going to be pretty pretty big. I don't know about you, Richard, but my favorite feature of uh, Mango. All through the day, I e nine, I e nine, That was a little random, but. Yes, it's good to have HTML5 to the table. But I, I, I want to look at this XNA Silverlight integration thing. What does that exactly look like, Mark? Like, because the language ones, they're quite a bit different from each other, right? Well, the thing is, um, currently right now, you can use XNA within a Silverlight application, but you can't do any of the, um, any of the 3D drawings, uh, that you can do in XNA. Uh, right now, you could do things like you could use a microphone and you could play audio using the XNA APIs. Uh, okay, right. Right now, have that interoperability, but now they're just kind of officially supporting it, where you could do all this, uh, all the 3D stuff that XNA supports, and bring it into and kind of mesh it in with with Silverlight. So, because building building a menu system in XNA is is not fun. It's no, actually, quite it's quite a task. Uh, but building it in Silverlight, you know, it's pretty straightforward. And uh, the other great thing that you could do is you could use, you could bring the Silverlight storyboards and all those animations into XNA. So now doing all, all these like uh, 3D transform or anything like that in XNA just got a lot easier because now you can use a storyboard. That's interesting that. because you know you always think I'm building a Silverlight app and I want to tap XNA for some of the low level stuff, but at the same time, if I'm building an XNA app, really a game. Just let the menus and all that o- those other sorts of things handled by Silverlight, so it's not as painful to build them. Exactly, exactly. And I, I mean, uh, XNA doesn't. I don't think you could get that low level in XNA, so it's it's still a, a wrapper on top of uh, you know the, the native APIs and everything. But the um, the core framework. I mean, it, it all uses the same core, you know, .NET Compact framework, which which is under there. 
what is the the whole deal with um, Bing Audio and Bing Vision? Uh, Bing Audio and Bing Vision, I don't know. That's more of a the consumer side. I know that there's been a few uh, posts out there about what they're coming out with. Yeah. I think on uh, May 24th, uh, they're having an event in New York, and I think that's when they're going to talk more about the, the consumer side. But is that actually part of Mango? Yeah. Yeah. It's supposedly to include Bing Audio and Bing Vision. I mean, it, lo- it looks pretty cool. I, I guess it's kind of like a, a Shazam kind oh, of thing. Oh, I get it, yeah. Or like Soundhound. So stuff that will yeah. recognize Service. music and, and pictures and things like that. Yeah, integrates with the Zoom marketplace. Yeah, I, I don't know much about the, the consumer side, like what's coming out in the actual operating system features, uh, whereas I know more about the, the developer features. Yeah. just uh, I just looked it up here. Bing Vision appears to be an image scanner program that rolls barcodes, Microsoft tags, QR codes, et cetera, into one single application. That's from uh, ZDNet. You know, I wrestle with it. Have they put too much into Mango? Like, Wouldn't this have been better served in smaller bites? Richard, that's crazy talk. <laughs> what do you think, Mark? Like, It feels like we're doing this Big Bang thing, and it scares me. It doesn't. I, I think I think they need it because let's face it. Yeah, they're they're, they're behind. Because um, I think last time I checked, they're I think they're a three or four percent market share. Yeah, right. They're getting back up there, but from way back in the days of Pocket PC or Windows Mobile, they were at twenty twenty five percent, and then they just lost it all. Yep. Well, yeah, there's been a few dark years in the Windows Mobile world. Let's face it. But I'm just thinking in terms of hey, IE nine's already out. It should have been in the phone as quickly as possible. Like, just make it a separate update. Yeah, I think um, my hope is that they'll, they'll, they will kind of separate the update process for things like IE9 and possibly the runtime. Maybe they can't. I don't know all the underlying technical difficulties. I, I mean, maybe there's OS features that are required for IE9. Right. And maybe Mango has it. I don't know. I, well, I, and, and I only get like this when we start realizing, hey, Mango's also turn by turn directions and Bing Vision and Bing Audio. You know, it's just yeah. too much stuff. And then there's this whole dev side. Yeah, in, in reality, I mean, they're coming out pretty quick with a lot of features. I mean, the phone really hasn't been out that long. It hasn't been, even been out a year, right? Right. In, in terms of in the consumer market. So to be coming out with all these features in, in probably under a year, I mean, I think that's pretty pretty good. Even though, even though other people, I know other people are saying, yeah, other people are saying, you know, they're far behind, they're never going to catch up. I personally think they will catch up. I mean, they're not going to be number one, but they're going to be up there in the top three. Hmm. Do we actually have a sense of when Mango's going to ship? Um, no idea. I think... Um, the fall, Microsoft says. Yeah, the fall, the end of this year. You know, they, they haven't given a specific date. All right, this is a developer show. We should get back to the dev features yeah. here. I, think. <laughs> I mean, if really bringing IE9 into the equation, not to step on my friend's song at all, is <laughs> now we have HTML5 in the phone. Why would we build apps anymore? I think there's still limitations with HTML5. So, I mean, well, on, on Windows Phone specifically. Um, so you can create the, these great-looking applications using um, using HTML5, all these animations, videos, and all that. But how about offline support? Like, how are you going to do offline support with HTML5? 
you know, whereas an app, you could, you could, you could build that in. Um, there's other, you know, deep integration into the phone, um, say, uh, storage, you know, a database. I don't know if you can do that with, with HTML5. Pretty sure you can't do it on Windows Phone. Yeah, there's supposed to be HTML5 data storage features, but they're still not r- close to ratified yet. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. only one small piece of the equation. I, I think what's compelling here is this idea of can I really build an HTML5 app once and run it on all the phones? Um, if you don't take advantage of any hardware features, yeah, I'm sure you could. Uh, it really depends on the application. Uh, if, if you don't want to take advantage of um, you know hardware features that Windows Phone offers or that iPhone offers or Android, uh, then I'm sure you can. You can build something that runs across all the platforms. Are you doing development on the other platforms as well? Uh, yeah. Yeah, we do. What sort of apps are you building? Yeah, they're more in line of business apps. So um, right now we're looking at a customer where uh, they need to go do an inventory and they want to do it on an iPad. So inventory of what their customers have and then spit out a report using a back-end web, uh, web server. Nice. So m- more of those type of things. Uh, now that the you know the Windows slates have come out, which I don't think are going to be uh, that successful, um, you know, customers are still looking at those also. Um, so, so we are we are doing some of the other platforms. We don't talk about it that much because we're just not allowed to. Mm, right. Um, we haven't got permission from from customers. So. But it sounds like Phone Seven really has had no emphasis on business apps so far. It's all consumer. No, yeah, it's it, they're pretty much pushing on the consumer, and I think the hope is once uh, once the consumer gets a hold of it, they will bring it into the into the business, and then businesses will be forced to adopt it. Right. Well, I would but, think businesses I mean, want to adopt it because it's Silverlight. Like you already know how to build software for it. it exactly. So I, I think they will want it. I mean, you got your you got your office, you got your Exchange, uh, Sync, and all, all that good stuff. So it, you got SharePoint too, right? OneNote, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So you could bring it into the office, into the enterprise, and, and support it. Um, but I think they're they're going. They want the consumer to bring it in. And this is just my personal opinion. I, you know, I don't know what their strategy is, but I think they want the consumer to bring it in, you know, get the consumer going, and then they'll bring it into the enterprise, and then it'll be a lot easier. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik, whose RAD controls outperform all others. Are you experiencing performance hits when handling millions of records with your Silverlight grid? Have you been frustrated by the amount of XAML code it takes to create a control template? There are so many potential bottlenecks that can drag your app performance. And of course, there's no universal solution for them. The good news is the guys from Telerik understand the complexity of that problem. When building RAD controls for Silverlight, they isolate every probable source of performance loss. Then they apply a respective solution. Through UI and data virtualization, data sampling, and content recycling, RAD controls help you deliver unbeatable performance with your Silverlight apps. You can check out Telerik Silverlight Grid handling 50 million cells as a piece of cake or RAD chart working seamlessly with a million records. Just go to Telerik.com slash Silverlight slash performance for details. And hey, don't forget to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. They truly make this show possible. So at this point, have you actually been building business-related apps for the phone? No, we haven't got a, we haven't done any of that. Right now, they're all... They're all consumer focused mm-hmm. uh, for for businesses like Global Mail and MTV. 
Um, so targeting their consumers. So tell me, tell us what you did for uh, MTV. Uh, MTV, we worked with MTV News, and basically we built a uh, a news hub for them. Uh, so they have three news hosts. So we have their videos, their blogs, their um, all their articles that mm-hmm. come out, mm-hmm. uh, and their Twitter feed and things like that. And then we have a, a, a news host hub where you could see all the information on the on the hosts, you know, their their bio, their pictures, uh, their Twitter feeds, and things like that. So it's more of a way for uh, the fans of the MTV News to stay connected to to the program. And it's been successful. I think it's been pretty successful. I mean, uh, we launched uh, we launched when the phone launched, so. I don't know if that target demographic was on the phone yet, uh, which was, and considering Canada had a few delays uh, in, in the launch uh, of the phone, some inventory issues, um, you know, I don't think it was that successful at launch, but it's been it's been picking up in terms of, uh, it's a Canada-only app, it's MTV News Canada. Oh, okay. So you won't be able to download it in, uh, in the U.S. <sighs> All the good stuff happens in Canada. <laughs> that's what I keep telling everybody <laughs> well and it's interesting that there is that country locking for your apps too which I find quite frustrating yeah I, I mean they needed they needed to lock it because of uh, content licensing so they could right. uh, some of the videos down, uh, out in the states um, but you know companies still have the option to lock it to a certain region uh, so right now we locked it only to Canada, and it doesn't go outside of Canada, um, which is I think that's a, that's a nice benefit for for media companies who want to only have it in certain regions. Yeah, I mean the whole the success of licensing determines uh, depends on controlling that kind of thing. Yeah, the alternative being you just couldn't build the app. Exactly. Yeah. Do you see much XNA development actually for the phone? Um. I do see a little bit of, there's not much. Um, I, th- I think what some of the, one of the biggest gripes with developers right now is if I build a game, it's going to be hard to get exposure because basically all the games that are, uh, highlighted in, in the marketplace are Xbox Live titled games. Right. Right. My daughter wants to play, uh, Words with Friends with her friends because they all have it on their Androids and iPhones and, it's yeah. not available for the Windows Phone. That's no, that's that's one of the, you know one of the big reasons why uh, kids will petition for those phones. And I agree. And uh, I think developers would build more for XNA if the the marketplace wasn't so slanted towards Xbox Live uh, featured games. Which basically means it's Microsoft building the games. Uh, yeah, it's Microsoft or, or other companies. Um, for example, there's an airplane game, the, the landing game. I can't remember what it's called. Flight Control? That's not a, yeah, Flight Control. Uh, so that's not a Microsoft game, but it's an Xbox Live game, uh, which means um, you know they, they get, I guess, preferred placement. So the, because the game was in, the point being, if you're going to build games for the phone, you need to build them for Xbox Live first? Um, no, so, so right now the way, the way Microsoft is, from what they told me and from what they uh, let out there is, 
if you're building a game and you have a compelling game, contact them, and then you know they'll talk to you about trying to get an Xbox Live uh, titled game. They should right. be doing is they should be going to all these companies that make games for the iPhone and Android and say, what can we do to get you to write this for the Windows Phone? Uh, I, I think personally, I think they are because you got um, like that flight control game and things like that that are that are there. Uh-huh. Uh But I know the the um, the Xbox team, I believe, is making the a lot of games too. So I mean, if you just go into Marketplace Xbox Live, you'll see all the games that are there. And a lot of them are uh, Microsoft Game Studios. Here's one from Sega, uh, Super Monkey Ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, there's there's a mix. So. Okay. But it looks like there are larger software houses or companies that have been successful on the, the other platforms. Yeah. Big players. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's tough for the small players even now to make it in there. I think it's a little bit tough for the games. So Microsoft has always had this, you know, business market for phone devices, Windows Phone. Um, is that market still as big as it ever was? Is it bigger? Is it uh, is it hopeless? <laughs> you're, you're, Give me a sense of that market. Uh, you're talking about the previous version, right? Yeah, I'm talking about, you know, Microsoft's uh, dominance in, in 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 the past in uh, business. Yeah, phone I software. Personally in terms of the ruggedized market, I think it's still there. Uh, we just finished off a Windows Mobile 5 project. Wow. Um, yeah, exactly. So so people are still using, uh, like in the enterprise, ruggedized, it was for a utility company. You know, people are still using Windows Mobile 5. They're starting to transition to uh, Windows Mobile 6. Um, but those OSs are still around. You think we'll Whether, see ruggedized uh, WP7s? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think you'll see some of the features from WP7, say maybe the Silverlight or, or anything like that, coming mm-hmm. over. Um, I don't think you'll see the the Metro UI uh, in a ruggedized environment. Because you think about it, right? It's these guys out in the field taking meter readings. I don't think they care about animations or anything mm-hmm. like that, right? They just want to get their job done and get back to the office, drop off the device and go. Now, what about the, the future of the business market? for Windows Phone 7? What do you think? The business market for Windows Phone 7, um, non-ruggedized, I think it will be there. I think you will start start seeing companies building enterprise line of business apps um, on Windows Phone 7. Uh, ruggedized, you're not going to see it. Yeah. Problem is that, you know, and I'm putting on my IT hat right now because I wear that every so often, Windows Phone 6 is still a far better enterprise mobile device. It can join domains. It can apply group policy. Like, there's all these things that we had in 6 and 6.5 we still don't have in 7. No, exactly. And and I think they've they've removed it just because of a, a resource, right? Time to, to develop it and time to test it. Um, and I think that's the biggest complaint is, hey, we had it in 6. Why can't you just bring it over? Right. Uh, but Windows Phone 7, uh, from my understanding, is a is a rewrite. Yeah, so it's not yeah. that they they took it out. It's that they haven't built it yet, and they're going to have to no. rebuild all those features. Exactly. And the fact that it's so, not in Mango means at least another full year, sometime late in 2012, to even consider it. Yeah, and, you know, maybe that's when, when 
their hope is that they'll start getting into the the enterprise. Well, the phones will start get, uh, being brought into the enterprise. And, and I don't I, know that I agree right. with you that that you know field workers wouldn't appreciate the Metro UI. I think a good looking UI and something that's intuitive and easy to use is a good idea, no matter what you're doing. Let me tell you a story. There's a coffee shop right uh, across the parking lot from the studio here. I know the one. I've called been there. The Bean and Leaf. The Bean and Leaf. And they grind their own beans. And I even see their coffee being sold in the mall, like in the uh, you know in Waterford. So they've uh, they got some inroads here. They just put in a point of sale system where the interface to the customer is an iPad. And it's got a little, um, you know, it's got a little card swiper on the side. And you give them your card, they swipe it, and then they flip it over. And you get to pick your tip, pick from three uh, options. And you sign with your finger. You literally sign with your fingernail and then press a button and boom, you get, you're all done. Far out. Yeah, that's actually pretty cool, but I don't think that compares to the the field worker, you know, on the oil rig or you know taking meters at your meter readings at your house. I think that's that's a different type of market. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's still going after uh, the consumer, so the consumer sees this and they say, "Oh, that's cool." And I do agree there that you need a nice slick interface to to make it easy to use, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but on on the rugged eye side. You know, you still you need a, a an easy interface. I built I built some interfaces where the customer demanded that they needed all these features on one screen, and it was a pain to use. So, I think you still need a, a nice interface on the the ruggedized you know field worker type applications, uh, but you don't need all these uh, animations and you know swipe here and swipe there. They want to push buttons, right? They want that yeah. tactile feedback and things like that. Uh, that, that's just my experience on the rugged eye side. But on the consumer side, yeah, I think that iPad thing is actually, that's pretty cool, you know, to be able to do that. Although, have you tried to, to sign with your finger? Yeah, works great. Does it work? Yeah. I tried it. I tried it at the, I was at the Apple store, and I tried to sign it. I couldn't sign it. Well, it I don't know. I, it worked for me. Okay. It might have been different software, too. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. It works great. Well, the other side is this whole, I think Apple's moving towards this, the, the RFID in the phone that, you know, like the easy pass and stuff that your phone becomes a credit card essentially. Yeah. I think, I think all of them are going to be moving that. I mean, I expect the, the Windows phone to have it. It's not going to be a mango, obviously. Um, it'll probably be hopefully sometime next year. But I think that's actually hardware. Like we're going to need a rev to the phone physically to make that work. Yeah, you're going to need hardware. You're going to need the OEMs to, to come in. Um, so, I mean, if the Androids are going to support it, like the Samsungs and, and everybody, um, you know, they'll have the hardware. They just have to get the APIs exposed by, by Microsoft, by the phone team, so they could implement RFID and, you know, contactless payment, things like that. All right, you want to go far out? Sure. What, did we, what do you think the post-phone form factor is? Like after the phone, now obviously we've got this digital device now that's going to be able to do payments and it's our communication hub. And it's, you know, if you, you, you're more upset losing your phone now than you are your wallet. Are you talking about tablets? No, because tablets are bigger. I think it's, you know, what's the thing that everybody's going to carry 10 years from now? That is a good question. 
And the, the um, area that I'm looking at that fascinates me the most is the augmented reality side. I'm wondering if it's going to go into the glasses. That you're going to have a little will. brick in your back pocket, but your UI and your your uh, monitor, your interface essentially to it, it's going to be built into a, the glasses frame. It's a projector onto your lens and a camera and, and augmented realities with you all the time. Well, they already have some of this stuff. Yeah, yeah it's just it's military and it's big and it's ugly and you know, and I hate to say it, but I swear, if anybody's going to crack this nut, it'll be Apple. It'll be the eyeglasses. <laughs> you know what? It probably will be because uh, they, they got good industrial designers. They, they, they'll put something nice together. Yeah, and it's the whole thing. It's it's not that it's not solvable. It's that how do you make it into something a consumer will use? Exactly. Because unfortunately, a consumer doesn't want to carry a big backpack that'll do all the processing on their back, right? Yeah. And a small thing on their glasses. So they need something really small. Um, you know, maybe it's in combination with the phone and the glasses. Yeah, I, I think it will be combined. You know, there, yeah. there's interfaces to make that work. So the trick is getting something down small enough to make it part of a fashion accessory you wear. Although, let's face it, the phone's an accessory now. It is. It is. People uh, bling I, it up the way they like it. Yeah, and in in Asian countries, I mean, they change uh, phones. Well, I think it's every two months. <laughs> I think we would too, if not for the carriers. If it, if it wasn't for the carriers, yeah, I'd be changing them all the time. I mean, you know, my wife hates it, but you know, I got a, I got like four Windows phones here, all the different ones. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do it for work. But the regular consumer can't go out and do that, right? And then. Yeah. They only look for the free phones. So my sister-in-law just got a Windows phone, and uh, she just got it because she got it for free. Huh. So that's what they look for. But she had to go in for a three-year term. Of course. Which which I think is, is the killer. And I always get mad at my families for uh, for going for three years. But they're not, you know, the alternative is you pay. The phone actually costs $500. $500, right. yeah, and nobody wants to pay that. Right. So I, I think that's 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 another. I guess that's another issue. That's more of a, a Canadian issue. I don't know. In the states, it might not be as big. The terms no, they they cost they cost that much here too. Okay, but the terms are two years over there, right? With AT and T and all of them. Um. Well, I th- I think they have different plans. Yeah. Yeah. It depends. Yeah, and in North America, I think it's a big issue. Yeah, it's, and the carriers have helped support it, but in the end, the consumer is agreeing to it, too. Right? People want their phone for free, and if that's what they've got assigned to do it, then they'll do it. Yeah, exactly. Now, what I'm interested in is, is the whole Nokia thing. You know, how, how's Nokia going to drive the prices, and, you know, what, what's going to happen with that? Well, and, and you notice that the implication of the Nokia deal is this idea that the the... Phone manufacturers up till now have not made a great Win Phone Seven. No, they haven't. What's I mean, your you favorite the, one, Mark? My, I actually like the, the Samsung Focus. I, yeah. uh, me too. I That's love the one my I have. Focus. It's the lightest. It's the you know it has a nicer screen out there. At Franklin's Net right now, you can get a DVD with over eleven hours of Billy Hollis on Silverlight Four, or fourteen hours of Sahil Malik on SharePoint two thousand ten, each for only six ninety five. Order online at www.franklins.net. Are you looking to change jobs? Infusion Development has offices in New York City, Toronto, London, Dubai, and Poland. Infusion has hired a whole handful of Happy.net Rocks listeners. 
contact me for an introduction at carl at franklins.net. I remember seeing a, a rating chart, and it uh, and it showed that the other there was a bunch of other phones that had the number one in something, but they were awful in other things, and the and the focus seemed to come in number two in everything, and that made it the best phone. Yeah, yeah, I think I. I, I... I mean, my, 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 the way I look at it right now is, is all the carrier or all the OEMs, um, they basically brought over their Android hardware, tweaked it a little bit and just threw on Windows Phone. On. Right. Hmm. They didn't really do much innovation in terms of the hardware. Because if you put a lot of the Androids and the, the Windows Phone side by side from the same OEMs, you know, they look fairly similar. They're pretty close. If you look, yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping Nokia will, will change that. And they'll come out with some with some slick hardware that will just get everybody excited. Is Nokia known for slick hardware, though? Yes, they're they're known for for getting out some nice, innovative phones. Fortunately, they didn't have the best operating system, but now they will, right? Right. I mean, it, it's generally been the rule: is Nokia phones look good, have cool features, and the software sucks. Exactly. Hmm. Exactly. But now they have Windows Phone, so they'll be awesome. Yeah, if they can make this work and they can ship a phone. It, yeah, I'm hearing rumors that they're going to ship uh, one Magnums. Now, that would be awesome. That, that'd be great. If yeah. they could pull that off, that's, that'd be that'd be fantastic. I think for, for the phone and for developers, right? I mean, from developer opportunity, it's huge. So, because you got, you got the entire, uh, I guess, from North American developer. Because Nokia is big on the, uh, in Europe and Asia and all that. Yeah, they're, uh, they're weakest in North America. And, and as I understand it, and this is, you know, I don't for, profess to be an expert at all. They had a falling out with the North American carriers years ago that has basically taken Nokia off the map. Exactly. And, and that's, that's why they're losing, they're losing market share. Sure. Um, uh, but yeah, that's, that's how I understand it too, that the carriers here in North America said pretty much screw you, right? Right. But then you go to a place like Hong Kong and I've been to some of these shops. Literally, you know, a, th- a 5,000 square foot store lined with different models of Nokia phone. Like you've never seen so many phones in your life. Oh, exactly. It, it, it's huge. I mean, they're, they're huge over there, overseas. And, uh, I, I'm hoping we get the same thing here. Um, I, I mean, when I first heard of the Nokia deal from, from a developer point of view, I thought, wow, this is, this is awesome. Like hopefully we could get this, this many phones out there. And now with IDG and uh, I think it was Gartner saying that they're going to be, what is it, number two by 2015? Yeah, which I don't know how the heck they make these kinds of projections, but okay, I'm not going to complain. I don't know either. Uh, No, I I think they'll be in the top three, personally. Well, and yeah, there is only three. It's iPhone, Android, and uh, WinPhone 7. Well, you still got BlackBerry. Have we? Yeah, I was just thinking, have I written off BlackBerry? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's still it's still there. I think um I don't know, Mike I keep saying Microsoft needs to just buy them. And then they'll have their enterprise market. You mean <laughs> But I don't see any reason why they should buy them. If they can just get the WinPhone six features into seven to make it a full fledged member of the domain and follow all the rules and actually do mail properly against exchange, then Blackberry's hooped. Yeah, uh yeah, I, I personally think they are. I mean, their whole, you know, their knock and then having a uh, a Bez server connecting to, to Exchange, you know, it's, it's it's pointless to me. You know, when you could go straight from Exchange to your device. Yeah. 
No, I agree. Yeah, get rid of the BlackBerry Exchange services thing, layer, like all of that sort of thing. I I don't envy. The funny part is, I mean, I'm not a BlackBerry user, but I've watched guys who use it. It's the still a phenomenal business device. It's the subtle things. It's like if you call a, a conference call number, you've got a, an invite that has a conference call number and the login code. BlackBerry reads that well enough that when you dial that number, as soon as it's finished dialing, it puts the login code in ready to dial. Like, it's those kinds. And there's no reason every phone couldn't do that. But nobody else does it. I think, yeah. I think nobody else does it. Uh, BlackBerry is geared towards the business user, right? Yeah. The, the exec and the people who are on conference calls all the time. So they figured, hey, let's put it in. I think on, on the Windows phone, uh, the coolest features in the calendar is the I'm running late button. Yeah. That's I, don't know exactly. if any, I don't know if any other platforms have that. So it's it's just a matter of, okay, what do we put in there uh, that's unique to, to our platform? I'm, I'm waiting for the I'm driving and I'll text you later button. <laughs> that's a good button. That would be a great button. You should build an app for that. <laughs> no, nice. no, that's the whole point. It needs to be a button because if you're in I an know. app... You're looking at your phone. You yeah. need to get a, you need, you know, or a button that sets your status to away so it automatically gives a, a message back. Something or like that. Instead of a button, we'll just use uh, speech recognition, right? Something. Something easy. That'd be better. Yeah, I'm still not thrilled with speech recognition. Well, it doesn't work always in a car if you're listening to music or if there's your friends are in the car because then they start talking to your, you know, your phone and messing it up. But you know, a, a simple button will do the trick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think like the Microsoft has the the speech on theirs, right, where you hold down the the start button, I believe. Yeah, they have the uh, the tell me thing, which which I found pretty good. So you can actually launch apps and things like that straight from there, even custom apps like that you've built. So it'll go through it and, and figure it out and launch it, which is cool. Very cool. So Mango's going to bring us real multitasking. Does that pretty much guarantee that the Phone 7 batteries are perpetually going to be wiped out now? <laughs> no. Um, so they've put some things in there where... I mean, you're still going to have uh, all the tombstoning and all that stuff that's there. Right. So I think there's a limited number of apps that will be held in memory. But if there's, uh, you know, pressure on memory consumption and all that, apps will start getting uh, tombstone or terminated. So you're still going to have to do that. So I think there also is a limit on what you could do while you are uh, in the background. Uh, but then there's also features that they've added, something called background agents, where I like to call it, it's kind of like a service uh, on Windows. So now you have a service on Windows Phone, but it's a lot more limited. So And then they, they only run at certain intervals. So for example, say for, for Foursquare, if you want to do automatic check-ins, just check-in automatically, uh, you can write a background agent that'll do that for you so you don't have to go into Foursquare app and check-in and you know do all that stuff. So the background agent could automatically do that for you. So they're, they're adding a few features where, um, you know, multitasking is great, but you can still get terminated, but you still have something uh, such as a background agent that will run some bits of your code. Say, for example, if you want to do a sync to a backend server. 
You know, a best best way I found to wipe out my batteries to leave Wi-Fi on and have a bad Wi-Fi node. <laughs> like you can actually watch the battery go down. Yeah, no, yeah, I've on your Windows phone or on my Windows phone, yeah. Just the you know the constant re- negotiating, renegotiating connections to Wi-Fi really hard on the battery. Like I don't understand how regular mortals figure this stuff out. Oh, I don't know. Um, I, I know they're they're putting in terms of the, from the developer experience, they're putting in some limitations uh, because the key to them is you know the consumer. If um, you know apps start messing up the, the consumer experience with battery and things like that or performance. Um, people are just going to return their phones. So there are putting in some uh, limitations in there where you can't do everything. Because on the previous version, on Windows Phone uh, 6 or 5, you could do whatever you want, right? You could even send text messages in the background without the user even knowing. Um, And I think you could do the same thing in Android. But on Windows Phone 7, you can't do any of that. Right. So consumer experience is first and foremost. Unfortunately, dippers are second. Yeah, I just wonder how much longer we can keep that up. You know, put a little more time into the enterprise side. Like, when does this phone morph? But it's not going to be yeah. this year. Maybe next. No, I, I, personally, I'm hoping Nokia will fix the battery problem. Because they're known for, for making devices with, with great batteries and things like that. Yeah. Well, a lot of, yeah, a lot of their phones, though, are simple phone phones. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. Okay, I'm up to it's fair. Hey, have you seen this recent story talking about uh, that honeybees are being killed by cell phones? What? So apparently the the electromagnetic radiation that phones give off when calls come and go triggers a uh, evacuate the hive response in bees. Wow. And that that they're showing that in the past few years bee populations have dropped dramatically and, and the closer they are to cell phones. So, so there was a, they were trying to figure out the, the whole bee dying problem years ago, like five years ago, I remember. Well, there's a, yeah, and there's a bunch of different things. Obviously, they're killing bees. There's a fungus. There's, you know, all kinds of bees. It's not easy to be a bee these days, but now <laughs> the, recently the, there's been these articles now talking about, uh, that cell phones are impacting bees. Wow. Wow. I used to have a beehive in, uh, at my house. I figure with all the phones I have, that's probably the reason why they it died. Yeah. Colony collapse disorder, they're calling it. Wow. That's kind of scary because we need bees. We really do. Yeah, bees are good. Yeah. Well, Mark, what's next for you? Uh, what's next for me? I'm just, we're keeping going strong on, on Windows Phone. You know, you know, can't wait for the, for the Mango tools to come out. Um, you know, I'm hoping some beta tools come out soon. But, uh, We'll see. Yeah, I've heard rumor that we may get development tools long before it actually ships on the phone. Yeah, um, what are we in May? I think we're going to get it in May. Really? Uh, I think I think that's what they said at Mix. Yeah, uh, that sometime in May we'll get something. Um, but you know, they, they didn't give an exact date, so who knows? Hmm. They never do. No, <laughs> well, they need to cover themselves, right? Yeah. Yeah, the update looks great. I can't wait for it. Yeah, I can't wait for it either. Uh, you know, from the dog's point of view, I think uh, they're filling in a lot of the gaps. Awesome. Well, Mark, thank you very much for uh, spending time with us today. All right. Thanks. Thanks for having me. All right. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks.
Dotnet Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band by the FCC Yes, I'm a, a dog